Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. On the highway to Lake DeSoto, that's right. Yeah, behave yourself. Yes, sir. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out. You'd think after 70 or so shows, I'd get that just spot on like I did right then, wouldn't you, Randy? You'd think it'd just be flawless, right? It is flawless. Yeah, it's flawless, flawless, faultless. It is our pleasure today to have Mr. Charlie Brown with us today and a pretty special episode. I've never met Charlie and of all the people in the village, Charlie's a pretty integral part and I, I'm, we've not connected, not met, not anything. How are you today, Charlie? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. It is a pleasure to have you on. And as always, all the good guests are re- recommended and referred by Mr. John Paul. So yeah, we start there. Not sure how I got into that sack, but I'll take it. He, he said, he said, you know, you really need to have, and he gave us a list and you were at the top of the list too. Uh, but we're pl- happy to have you today. Give the layperson, I mean, what do you do? What, wh- why would I call you or what's, what's going to happen that might work its way up the stack to meet Mr. Charlie Brown's desk? Well, I manage the uh, code enforcement department. And uh, within that department, I, uh, we have compliance division, animal control division. We have permitting and inspections division. And we oversee several contracts, which is our, all the food and beverage contracts for the POA and the uh, gate security contract. So, and, and how many people roughly answer to you? How many direct reports, as they say, I think? Um, with, uh, during the summertime, it's 17 and off season, it's about 13, 14. So it, it varies is the answer I'm hearing. It, it, it is. And the uh, uh, contractors, of course, report to me one district manager for our large security contract. And then they have about the 13 to 14 security guards that, that report to him. So, so let's draw the line of delineation. You, you oversee the company that oversees the gates. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. Because I can see people with Charlie Brown does it. No, no, no. He oversees the company that oversees the gates. So, uh, so if for perchance when John Paul resigns or resigns, uh, uh, rolls off next month, and he does want a longer-term position at the East Gate, he would not apply to you. He would apply to the company that works for them, right? That is correct. In conjunction, we look at all those applicants. Yeah. (laughs) And he has a job already if he wants it, for sure. I don't know about that. Yeah, I'd look at that resume. You know, I'd really study that thing a minute if I can. He has a little bit of experience. He was out directing traffic not too long ago at the gate. So, uh, yeah, he's got got some experience. I consider that volunteer. I I don't think that's a compensated gig, you know, maybe. Yeah, well, it it gave him a spot. (laughs) Well, and and let let me come back just for a second. So let's go way back. Number one, I'm dying to know how you got into this business and, and, and what qualifications and what previous job, but how, where did you come from? How did you get here? Tell us your story. All right. So um, I retired here in July of 2015. I retired from the Federal Bureau of Prisons and it was a typical career in, in the Bureau of Prisons. I started out with five years in the U.S. Coast Guard and uh, then I spent another uh, 23 and a half years in the uh, Department of Justice Bureau of Prisons. My um, in that tenure, I was uh, with the U.S. Marshal Service uh, Air Operations Division for about 10 years. And uh, the last two years before retirement, I was overseeing all 
uh, detention in uh, Georgia and South Carolina, federal detention, and uh, retired here in July 2015 to help activate the Beach Patrol as a part-time job and uh, just um, went from there to full-time and then started um, into management shortly thereafter. Kind of stuck around, as it were, right? I did. Okay, so I'm late to this party. I had technical difficulties. I had some internet issues I had to fix. Randy, did you know any of this about the uh, the, the no. Department of Justice? Really? No, no. Well, I want to go back to the Coast Guard because we've yeah. got another kind of a a friend of the show. It's Claire Nicolosi, mm-hmm. Coast Guard. Yes. Coast Guard retiree. Chief, Chief Warrant Officer. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're in good company. You're in good company. I am. Plenty, plenty of us coasties here, actually. Yeah, that's what we're hearing I, now. Are you? They have a meeting, or is it not a meeting, but a general a, a officer? Were you an officer of some sort? No, I was enlisted. Okay, okay, okay. I understand. So, how do we go from that into the Department of Justice? And I'm assuming you said a non-traditional. So, I'm assuming you basically helped move prisoners around, or was that? Yes, I, I did. Um, when I left the Coast Guard, I, I started just as a correctional officer with the Bureau of Prisons. And uh, just um, moved into um, a federal transfer center from that at that time, activated the only federal transfer center uh, for the uh, Bureau of Prisons. And we transported about 110,000 prisoners a year uh, at that. So I did that for several years. And then I uh, moved into some regional office work and then uh, finally ending up with uh, uh, overseeing two states for uh, federal detention. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to get stuck here, but this to me is fascinating. Randy, am I on the track here? No, go ahead. I'm okay. So dropping. Okay. So j- just fill me in. So 110,000 inmates need to go from, and I said prisoners, but inmates from where to where and why, I mean, are, are they on vacation or are we putting them on a Greyhound bus? What, what are we doing here? Yeah. So the, uh, to, to most people, the, the number seems enormous and, and, and I guess it is, but, uh, yeah, yeah we operated uh, three seven twenty sevens actually, and, uh, several small Sabreliner airplanes. And, uh, yeah, well, these, these prisoners were being transported for just a plethora of, of reasons. It's a court writs, court dates, uh, voluntary returns to other countries, uh, disciplinary reasons, which is probably a bulk of them. So take, for instance, if a maximum security inmate gets, a disciplinary sanction at one facility or, and, and has to move to another one, then we, we would transport that person. And we operated 727s. We would, we would typically transport 80 to 130 prisoners um, on each plane at a time. Let, let, let me get this straight. And I don't know if you, were you involved in actually getting on the plane? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me get this straight. So you're going to take some of the baddest hombres that have had disciplinary problems and you're going to put them all on a plane and then you're getting on the plane with them. Right. Absolutely. There's a there movie is. like that called con air. <laughs> yes, there is a little off track. That was, but uh, yeah, same thing. We actually, yeah. uh, we, we were actually nicknamed con air. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all ran con air. Yes. Un- uh, uh, I had no How idea. do you get to hot springs village from that? Well, that's, that's actually a really good question uh, because the government moved us around so much, um, such in my Coast Guard career as a five duty stations in the five years in my Coast Guard career. I think in total with my government service, we were, you know, with 29 years, I think we were at 13 different duty stations. And so we didn't really have a place to call home, but we did vacation here a lot and usually at uh, Lake Catherine uh, outside of Hot Springs. And we vacationed a couple of times here during my, uh, during my career. So my wife and I, who was also in the Coast Guard, by the way, she uh, we we said, well, 
you know, the one of the best places we vacationed at was uh, Hot Springs Village. So let's start there, start a retirement there. And, uh, and that was it. Where'd you grow you- up? So I was born in Fort Smith, Arkansas, out west, very west Arkansas. And uh, then just uh, that was for a short time. Then I graduated high school in New Mexico. How cool. I, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated. And the Coast Guard. So you met and married in the Coast Guard? We did. Yes. We were both stationed in, uh, in uh, Northern California at the time. So when you moved here in 2015, did you think, yeah, I'm going to get me another full-time gig and go back to work here. This sitting on the porch is just too dull. I got to have, I got to have people calling me dirty names on Facebook in a few minutes. Yeah. That's what I've got to do. Right. Yeah, no, actually quite the opposite. Uh, my, I was stationed actually in Atlanta, Georgia. So it was pretty hectic and I was on the road living out of a hotel in the last two years, basically. And uh, so no one got here and said, you know, I may work a day, may work two days a week if I can get a job, if not, no big deal. And uh Anyway, that was, I retired in July of 2015, and I think the day my actual retirement was effective, I was already working for the TOA as activating the beach patrol. Yeah, see, John Paul tried that couple of days a week thing, <laughs> sucked him right in, sucked yeah. him right in, right, Rain? Yeah, so that first job was, was what now? Uh, it was with the recreation department, and it was to help activate the uh, beach patrol, which was a new program for the POA at that time. Okay. Well, educate me because I know nothing about beach patrol. All right. Yeah. So it's, uh, had an interesting start. Uh, our beaches here, of course, are private beaches and, you know, gated community. And there was a large outcry from the community that, uh, there were people coming in using our beaches that uh, were not supposed to be there. And of course, a lot of, uh, things going on at the beaches that were just not family friendly and, and needed to be corrected. So the uh, recreation department under the direction of Stephanie Heffer at that time, um, instituted a, a program that we call the Beach Patrol, and we started staffing it uh, with patrol out there uh, to correct those issues. And the Beach Patrol still stands today, as a matter of fact. So I activated that in 2015, and and now I'm overseeing it. This part is one of those actually I didn't even mention in our compliance division. I'm actually tickled because I'm imagining, okay, well, yeah, we've got beach patrol. We've got some things we just need to have cleaned up. Let's bring in the feds. Yeah, that's right. Let's bring in the guy that used to work for the feds. He will know how to take care of these people trespassing, right? Yeah. Well, we hope we corrected it. Yeah. I think it's been a successful program. What did you actually find? My suspicion was it was wildly overblown. The, the, the complaints there were, there are compliance issues. I'm certain, but was it, was it over overblown? I would just say that uh, there there needed to be a lot of corrective action out there at the time. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. L- let me ask this. Was it, and I'm just assuming here, you said a lot of correction action, corrective action at the time, which is understandable because it's been unmanaged for 45 years or whatever, right? right. Mm-hmm. And now that people know that it's managed, it's a whole lot easier and takes a lot less work, I'm assuming. Absolutely. It does. The, the first couple of years was um, very challenging. And, uh, and of course, it was challenging just to get staff to do that job. Uh, but after the couple of years in, in the outside communities and the folks in our community realized that now it's an ongoing program and that we were going to ensure that membership has its privileges and that it's just um, members and their sponsored guests that utilize the uh, areas and that we're going to keep it family friendly. Yes, each year has begun to get easier and easier in operating those beaches. Yeah. So tell us about, and Randy usually asks this kind of question. Tell us about your day to day. You get up this morning and go, mm, I can't wait to get on hot Springs village inside out. No. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, as far as getting on Hot Springs Village inside, I couldn't wait. Been looking forward to it since, I, since you made the offer, no doubt about it. First thing I thought of this morning, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, hit the ground running just uh, with uh, the many, many things that we do in the code enforcement department, just uh, figuring out which one needed to be at the top of the list. Right. Well, um, for example, let, let, let's let's play the game here. Code enforcement. So I've got a barking dog next door. Mm-hmm. That's a county ordinance, right? So, I mean, where do you split those lines? Is that what the day involves or that one of the harder parts of the job? As far as spending the lines, uh, not necessarily. You know, we are an entity in ourselves because we are, uh, you know, certified with the state as um, um, as a community that's not incorporated. And so we do have jurisdiction. Quorum courts in Saline County and Garden County has given us that authority through ordinance to control issues such as that. So those those things we do act very much like a municipality, even though that we're out in the county. So is it best to call your department? Do I call the police? What I mean, I'm just trying to I'm ha- trying to help the laity that are trying to get their hands around. And we have so many new people that have come to the community. I guarantee you the vast majority of the community doesn't understand what the appropriate process is sometimes, much less anybody from uh, what I don't know what uh, Texas. Yeah, those new people. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yes, no. So issues and animal control issues for yard maintenance, uh, complaints for uh, other exterior issues going on, issues for compl- anything that does not deal with legality, anything that's not law, then uh, yes, then you would call the uh, code enforcement enforcement department. And so, Randy, that, that number is, so Mr. Randy can link to it. So it's 501-922-5562. And our code enforcement clerk, Karen, would be happy to take those calls. Thrilled, thrilled yeah. to take those calls. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, I, I can assure you she gets many of them a day. I bet. I bet she would be an interesting interview, too. <laughs> now you've been in this position, Charlie, how long? Well, my current position, I have, um, I'm going to link it with my previous position as, as code enforcement supervisor. Uh, to where I am now, community development manager. I'll, I'll link them together because really we just restructured when we had some staffing changes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I would, it's been right at two years. So between that and the beach patrol, was there something else? There was a uh, beach patrol. I went from there to uh, lifestyle and community manager. And then from there, I went to outdoor recreation manager and then into this position. What's your most enjoyable part of the job? I think just seeing making positive changes in the community, um, using policy enforcement to ensure that Hot Springs Village quality of life um, not only remains the same, but uh, that we see it getting better. Yeah, yeah. And what have you seen in the last seven, eight years? I'm sorry, say again? What have you seen in the last seven or eight years? I mean, where where are some of the biggest changes that you've seen, positive or negative? I think, uh, well, positive, I, I, I think that the biggest change is uh, security. I think security has really been enhanced or we have really um, looked at deficiencies in our, in our gating uh, for the community and have really uh, addressed applying corrective action to all of those deficiencies. It's certainly a challenge, um, even though it's a, a contract that, that we're currently involved with, it's still a staffing challenge to us anyway. And um, so that, that's been a very positive change. I think just the mindset, the philosophy behind the administration has changed greatly toward code enforcement. You know, I, I would say my opinion is that as 
you know, in the early years of Hot Springs Village, even up maybe until this last decade, as in, as in a lot of municipalities, there, there may not have been really that great need for enforcement um, as we grow and as our demographics, you know, change into, into younger people, our, our communities outside even grow. I believe that has changed. So the philosophy behind enforcement, uh, protective covenants has changed with the administration. I think that overwhelming is just a great positive for our community. Well, John Paul was talking about how he expected some changes at the gates, speaking of that. And I just, I cannot get out of my head that uh, typically, typically for every new board that's seated, uh, we have somebody from the Rose Law Firm or someplace like that. And they come in and say, uh, the lady will give you a speech where basically she says, you are without peer. There's not another HOA, POA, uh, city, state, municipality who ha- who does everything the way we do. I mean, how do you... You know, John Paul's talking about better gate solutions. I'm like, who do you look to for a better gate solution when you're the largest gated community in effectively the world? Uh, Who do you look at as a peer? Who do you, how do you source things like that? Well, it's interesting that you bring that that specific up because that's actually what we're going through right now. We are looking at some, uh, we're exploring some different options for gating in the future. And there is no doubt we've looked out there everywhere. We've talked with consultants. We've talked to every HOA, POA that we can think of. And, and there is no one else out there like us, no doubt. So, you know, our security is so unique that we have to look at it that way. And we just look at best practices, even on a smaller scale. And we just we just um, try to virtually apply those best practices to see if that's going to work here. We're about to embark on a best practice and, and make an east gate change with a fast arm barrier gate. I don't know if you've heard about that yet, but we're about to um, install one of those in one lane at the east gate. And I, I consider that just to be a beta test. And so we'll look at it as a beta test, look at it six months to see really what that has done because it's successful in some other small uh, applications, but just to see if it, it will work on a larger scale for us. And, and if that beta test succeeds, then we will expand and, and move on from there. Oh, interesting. Randy, I'm, I'm hogging it here. Yeah. Well, we've got a community here. It's called DFW international airport. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they've they're, got the fast arms too. Don't there's, they? There, there's the, yeah, there's the, there's the, the parallel that comes to mind for those of us here in the DFW area, you know, it's uh yeah, but I, I get it. You know, the people are very concerned about, about the security. Um, and I'm like you, you know, we, we vacationed over there for the first time in 2018 and, and, and fell in love with the place. So you move, you move in day one, retire, but you don't retire, you go to work. So what, what was the big aha moment that was different from vacationing there to being there? Was there anything? Well, my wife would tell you the big aha movement movement, uh, for her was the day that I decided I shouldn't be vacationing anymore and should get under the hood and see what's broken. And here I am today. So, um, yeah, she often says that uh, it uh, it would be much more fun here if we would have never opened the hood and and started trying to fix stuff. Yeah, we asked John Paul the same thing, by the way, and the conversation with him. And he, his spin was a little bit different. You know, he's just, he continues to love the place more, more and more. But I don't know, as an outsider who's got property there now, but I don't live there. 
frequent as often as I can. Uh, I got great appreciation, you know, for those of you that are willing to put in that kind of work though, because there is a lot under the hood. There's an awful lot going on under the hood. There is, but you know, if you, if you enjoy that and, uh, you know, the environment that uh, we get to do that work in is, is just amazing. Uh, you know, I look out these windows here and, uh, I don't see any traffic at all. It's just beautiful. Uh, it's serene. Um, you know, coming to work is this peaceful, go by the foggy lakes with the sun coming up in a, in a forested area and, and quiet. And, uh, and, and again, like I was talking to you earlier about, uh, Randy, you know, I'm not stopping at stop sign for five minutes. I'm there for a second. And um, maybe probably the only car there. And so, you know, even though there's there's a lot to fix, say this is a this is a good environment to uh, to fix things. And and it's, it's things that's going to happen anywhere. And, uh, you know, the most the majority of the people that we have are positive. The administration that we have now, uh, I believe, is just super positive and very uh, forward looking and uh, and seeing things just continually get better. So. You know, it's, it's not like you're you're under the hood just uh, despising what you're doing. You're enjoying the environment that you're doing it at, and you know that people appreciate it. The feedback um, and the kind of stuff that you're you're seeing now and that you've seen in the last couple of years, especially you know on the permitting side, because you and I talked about the number of of houses, for instance, today that permits that crossed your desk. And these people, I don't know, give, give us some anecdotal stories or evidence. I mean, these people are coming from where, and I mean, what kind of feedback are you getting as far as the growth inside the village? Well, I think they're the overwhelming feedback is that, uh, people like us that, that they're, they're coming in and, and they're, they're saying, you know, even, even that cost of housing is so high right now, you know, the square footage is probably my, um, probably 50% more than, you know, what it was two years ago. And, uh, but they're, they're saying, you know, I'm coming from an environment to this. I don't care. I will pay that. Look at this. This is just an amazing place. And it's amazing to me that a lot of these people are saying, what can I do to get involved? What can I do to help? Is there any place I can volunteer or any job openings that my, my skills will, will help the POA? And uh, that, that's pretty much what we're seeing. We're seeing people just very, very appreciative of finding this, uh, this community and now being a part of it. There, there certainly is a small, what we had talked about earlier, Randy, and uh, that small, very small portion of people that would say that, um, you know what, we don't want another car in Hot Springs Village POA. We don't want another house. We don't want another building, but that is very, very small. And I think that's, you know, I think that our projection and our oversight of our building programs is very good. And that's uh, even though that we're going to see a surge in, in building, we, we speculate that we think that it's not going to be a negativity to the community at all. Well, what was it? John Paul said, everybody said now that they found it. Okay. Now I want to cover it. I don't want anybody else to know about it. Now that I know about it. No, 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 no. Quit, need to quit telling anybody about it. Well, there's that minor detail that the place is what one third developed. So mm-hmm. it's not like there's not space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. And even, even if you look at the projection of, of being fully developed, you know, I think you're still looking at uh, 25% that is all going to be green space at a, at a fully developed uh, community. Well, let me ask. So speaking about houses, how many houses are we going to have this year? How many houses do, how many house per- permits do we have last year? What's your, what do you think we're on track for ish? You know, of course it's the 20th day, but not even the 20th day of the month yet, you know? 
Well, we did, uh, we issued 132 new home permits in 2021. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 32% over what we did in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a, that's a, a good number. And uh, I believe that the, we've seen the interest rising at the end of 2021 that's carrying on now. We certainly project that we easily could be at 250 new homes um, this year. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, and wow, some, wow, wow, wow. And some commercial. So, but that's you, that, that's your department making 20 new permits a, a month, of course. And two years ago, three years ago, you were doing 10 or eight. Maybe? Sure. That's right. Wow. 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 Uh, just a personal note and just curiosity. How much longer do you want to do this? I mean, do you like it that much? Uh, it's day to day, Dennis. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I, I can't say, I can't say for sure. I'm going to uh, come in next week, but, but I hope to. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you enjoy it too. I, I think it's rewarding. And actually what I'm envisioning is literally like a, a perfect plug in here, you know, in love, the POA needed some structure and order. And I mean, is that fair enough? Sure. It needed and, and some, some guidelines and overarching. The, the bottom line is look, as tragic as it was, let's talk about 9-11. Security at an airport at not before 9-11, security virtually everywhere was kind of eh, lackadaisical at best. Maybe we overcompensated in some places and whatever, but we needed that kind of stuff. I mean, you know this. In the 80s, the Israelis were getting everybody on the plane, making it as secure as they could be. Then they would pull them all back off the plane, frisk them down again, run them through the metal detector again, then put them back on the plane. And that kind of security, we just like, why would you do that? Post 9-11, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see why you would do that, right? We talk about the beaches, we talk about the, the gates and so forth until it's a pro it's not a problem until it's a problem. And then it's a problem, right? Absolutely. But we certainly want to look at it as we don't want to, we don't want to be reactive. Uh, we will certainly want to be proactive and, uh, you know, but there's, but there's a balance as, you know, Randy was talking about earlier, you know, an example that we have is DFW. However, we certainly get that, uh, you know, I certainly understand uh, military bases and government reservations and the security on those. And uh, so you certainly look at those for examples and look at those for ideas and best practices also. But again, we're not a, a reservation, a government reservation, we're not a military installation. And so, you know, there's a, there's that balance of being very welcoming and also making sure that we're secure to our members uh, that does live here. What are one or two things that you wish people inside the village understood better? I he took well, my question, by the way. I was just about to ask you that exact same question. That they understood better. I, I, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously there's some technical things that I wish they, they understood better. But I think just in a more broad sense, I would say I, I wish they understood that the administration is here because they want to be here and do good things for Hot Springs Village. That uh, I believe the perception is, is much too wide that the administration and, and many of the employees, at least at the higher level employees, are doing things underhanded and just, just doing things to ruin the community. And uh, I, I think that's it's unfortunate that the perception is as much as it is out there for that. I will, I will tell you, I am very thankful for, uh, working side by side with the administration that we have now and the employees that we have now, my peers, my colleagues, and um uh, Overwhelmingly, I would say that uh, everybody has the the best intentions to do the right thing for Hot Springs Village POA. Well, and you and I both know 
people could go, especially in this economy. Yes, they'd have to move, but people are moving. People are migrating all over the world these days. You know, before we hit the record button, I was, I was telling Charlie about some of my work with, with city government, a space that I knew nothing about seven years ago. And I've really come to admire and fallen in love with, with many of these people because their sense of service. And of course, here they are in DFW, they could go in the private sector and they could make way more money. I mean, way more money. Uh, people could leave hot springs village. They could go to some Metro area. They could take their skills. They could easily give themselves a considerable bump in pay. Yes. They'd have to leave the village to do it, you know, but to think that people are in these jobs for mercenary reasons, I don't know. I just sit here and chuckle at, at people that may be a little bit out of touch and understanding kind of where wages are these days for one. And the demands on some of these skills, number two, um, you know, a person like yourself, for instance, I mean, the skills that you brought to the job, no, it's different. This isn't the coast guard, you know, this isn't, you know, federal bureau of prisons, but all of those skills that you learned over the course of a nearly 30 year career. Well, I don't know. You answer the question. I mean, have, have they played to your advantage or no? Oh, by all means, they have. Absolutely. And uh, I will tell you, I'm, I'm very glad to say that, uh, you know, many of my colleagues now um, are coming in with the, that same skill set or different skill sets, but high level skill sets. And, you know, we're seeing some positive changes in the sense that now we, we're starting to see a corporation that is starting to have the philosophy of, the, you know, we need to run by policy and procedures, not just winging it every day. And uh, we're starting to see, I believe, our um, employees that uh, are bringing that type of skill set and that type of philosophy now to the POA. Well, I'll tell you my personal story and then I'll shut up. So we buy a piece of property, bought it from Dennis and his wife. And my wife and I come in there in, uh, December, we've do the deed transfer and the whole bit. Uh, the place is packed, right? We get there at like eight 15, come to find out there'd been a line formed out the door. Staff was, all over it. Now I come from retail, so high touch, high service, say yes, can do attitude. And I mean, the atmosphere couldn't have been better. Uh, it just, as, as a guy that does this for a day job, I can tell you, I, I, there's nothing to criticize. I mean, the staff was all over it. They were super polite. They were super friendly. It really had a small town feel, but boy, they were, I mean, they were moving people. They were moving people on through find out why we're there. They realized we got a stack of papers we got to fill out. So they sit us on a sofa there. They give us this clipboard so we can kind of accelerate the process. Um, and I got in the car, you know, and I told my wife Rhonda, I said, you know, that's, that's how it ought to be. That's just how it ought to be. Well, that doesn't just happen. And you can say, well, we hire good people. Well, you do hire good people, but even good people don't, necessarily know instinctively and intuitively how to operate like that. So yeah, all that to say this hats off. I mean, it was my first and so far only encounter with the POA, uh, but it was a really important one. Yeah. Very important. And I'm glad to hear that story. Thank you for that because it's, uh, it makes you glad to know that your experience was that not only staff was courteous, but they were effective 
but with that hometown or small town uh, feel and environment. And I didn't, and I, and I wasn't playing the HSV inside out card either. I did pass out cards, by the way, I'm enough of a self-promoter to do that, but no, it was, it was great. It was terrific. Everybody was wonderful, but you had the beanie on, come on, man. You had the beanie, right? Sure. (laughs) No, I did have the beanie on because it's in the photograph. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. But still. You and I both know 99% of the people inside the village have no clue what this is. They, 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 they don't. don't. They're, they're still going never to. heard of us. Yeah. yeah true story, Charlie, we get way more email and stuff from people who have not been in the village or who made a visit to the village than we've ever heard from people inside the village. Wow. Times yeah. More. I didn't yeah. expect that. Yeah. yeah. Neither one of us expected that, but that's, that's off topic. I, I actually, uh, Charlie, I was thinking about Garrison Keeler, you know, who had the Prairie home companion. He actually worked oh, at, yes. a, yeah, he, he worked at a college radio station and he was meticulously blending the cuts where the music would stop. And he would, it's Garrison Keeler from like, you know, he had it all worked out and, and done just right. And one of the engineers came in and said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm, I'm broadcasting. He said, you know, the transmitter has been down for five weeks. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody's heard you. No, nobody's, nobody's even knows you're here. You know, why are you working so hard at this for? Right. Oh, um, I was going to say, I think you can hire, you can hire the good attitude. You can hire the sweet person that goes, we really care about you. We seriously do in the South. That's easy. You can't hire people that go, okay, let's organize this to make sure they have a clipboard. Let's get this piece going. Let's get this piece going. That's administration. That's management. That's policy. That's procedure, right? That is. That's, that's, that's employees that's taking ownership and bringing in the skill set uh, that we need to uh, run this large community. Well, the number of people, the number of, the number of, of, and it was largely a female staff, at least the day that we went in and the number of, the number of first names being used with people who were coming in. And I'm thinking, I mean, do these people come like a barbershop or they coming and hanging out? I mean, how do they, how do you even know who this person, you know, who this person is, you know, that, that as a big city guy, that kind of, that's, that made an impression on me too. I mean, that that struck me and I'm still puzzled. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, I mean, I don't know, Dennis, you've been there. I mean, how many times do you go in the POA office? I I haven't been in, I don't go in the POA office very much, but when I do, and I'm not, you're the problem, Randy. Uh, when I do, people are like, you're that guy on the radio and you're that guy on that HSV inside out. And I think my voice precedes me. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe if I had, maybe I've got my nose fixed and I didn't sound so like this, but yeah. No, uh, I've no. kidded you before, you know, we true story, Charlie. So we start a private Facebook group and then we decide, no, we, we need this to be public. Okay. Well, Facebook rules. If it's a private group, you can't make it public stands to reason because everybody in it has agreed to be in a private group. Sure. Right. So they won't let you change. Okay. So we start a public group. Well, in the private group, we had questions. And the first question is who is the star of the podcast? Well, the star <laughs> of the podcast is hot Springs village. It's in the uh, bumper. It says in the bumper, hundred percent of the answers are Dennis Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and you, you need to rephrase the rephrase the question. Who's the loud mouth on hot springs village inside <laughs> no. out. And then no. that would, that would be no. me. I would no. do that. I'd be I'm my leaving, job. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it alone. But seriously, well, I, the staff was, the staff was great. Our experience was terrific. And of course the highlight for me was being able to stick the thing on the windshield so I can go into the right hand lane now. So. I got life that in the, going for me now. So that's life great. in the right lane. Uh-huh. Life in the right hand lane. It's awesome. There you go. Well, I was going to say, Charlie, I, 
let's go back to the gates just for a minute. I, actually, I'm going to kick something to the curb real quick just to, to get this out of the way. I, I, it has been my experience. And, and Randy, to answer your question, uh, the, the people that you know, I mean, it's a, it's a 17,000 person community. People know each other. I run into people that are in the computer club with me. I run into people that go to the uh, Christ of the Hills United Methodist. We, we don't attend there, but that's a customer of mine that we work with. We meet people at Brookshire's. We meet people at the home plate. We meet them all over. And after a while, you just go, oh, well, you know, that that's Charlie. Well, that's Dennis. Well, that's Randy. And it's you take for granted the fact that you just know people through acquaintances. I mean, I'm so well, when you're coming from DFW, I'm going to tell you that's unique. Is it now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting in the, real, that's real unique. I'm sitting I in like the parking. It. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing. I love it. it. It's a new thing, right? Yeah. I'm sitting in the parking lot and, uh, I, there's a white truck sitting beside me and this has been maybe five years ago and a girl turns and she says, Dennis Simpson. And I was like, oh, Candy Styles, how the heck are you doing? And Candy, you know, Candy, she worked at the, uh, or does she doesn't work there anymore, does she? She retired, I think. Yeah, I, that name doesn't sound familiar. I'm sorry. She actually was, uh, she processed payments and was just a wonderful lady. And Peggy Ford, I mean, I oh, can yeah. go down the list, Cheryl, and, you know, sure. and they're all just nice people. You know, it, that that helps a lot. I think one of the things that we want to do with the show, Randy, and we, from day one, it may have been expressed or implied, but maybe never said, and, you know, we want to shine a great light on the place. That's true. I want to de-demonize people. I want, Charlie, I want you to look human like us and go, he's a regular guy. He's trying to do this job well. Maybe I'll call and ask what's going on instead of just flaming him on Facebook, right? Certainly. I saw, I saw a flame this last week, a flame. It wasn't even a flame. It was an outrageous statement. I'll leave it at that, that, um, uh, I said, you know, we, we had a, a show where we were going to, uh, Jason was talking about replacing all the water meters, uh, because, you know, on this end or the West end, you know, most of them are 50 years old to which someone, uh, noteworthy notable said, uh, well, now what makes you say they're all old? I said, well, because they've been in the ground 30 to 50 years. And the guy said, well, so do you trust Jason? Uh, trust Jason, the water meters are in the ground, man. What, what, what's to argue? <clears throat> we're going to argue, we're going to argue the age of the water meters because you and don't yes, trust and Jason. Yes, and, and in addition, we do trust Jason. We do trust Jason. He's human. He's <laughs> this guy's we, we made an, we made uh, we didn't make a point. It just came out. And with you, Charlie too, it's obvious you and he both are moving toward excellence. We're not interviewing people that go, I don't know, whatever. We'll just see what falls out the back end of the truck this week. You guys have policies and procedures. You've got, you're trying to implement a structure to move this, as you said, I'm using your words here, corporation forward. And, and the, the vast majority of the population goes corporation. What are you talking about? He misspoke. No, he's right. It's a corporation and it's a municipality, a quasi municipality. And it's a corporation and it's a nonprofit. It's, it's a lot of things that a lot of people, and it can be very confusing. I got that. But my point is, and Randy and I, I, we will preach this till we pass out. The people you don't know are not necessarily demons just because you don't know them. Ask them, talk to them. They're trying to give you excellence for, for your POA assessment dollar. Yes, no doubt. I, you know, I, I would ask people to uh, withhold your distrust of someone until they've proven to you that, that you can't trust them. And uh, unfortunately, we, we, we see that just backwards uh, much of the time. I tell my staff all the time, you know, be careful about getting down there and, and looking at social media and, and listening to what's going on, on social media too much. If there's something that you're concerned about, then let's qualify it and then we'll fix it if, it, if it's true. 
but uh, something that's just thrown out there, uh, just just be careful about listening to that. Don't let it get you down. We're going to move forward and we're going to do the right thing. And if there's a valid complaint, then we're going to listen to that valid complaint. We're going to investigate it and we'll fix it if it needs to be fixed. Well, I'm going to say, so three names, all POA. So we got John Paul, we got Jason, we got you. Okay. John Paul doesn't have to be doing this. I mean, trust me, the, the dude doesn't have to be doing this and he doesn't have to be in Arkansas either. Right. He just doesn't. He's got skins on the wall. Jason, I mean, come on, Texas A&M. You got an engineering degree from Texas A&M. You are in the engineering fraternity in the world. Mm-hmm. You got Jason, a ticket. Jason, you got Jason, a ticket. Jason can go anywhere. Yep. Trust me. I know I'm not an engineer, but I know plenty who are professional engineers from Texas A&M. Jason can punch his ticket and he could do, he could do many other things. You, a 30 year career behind you retired. You don't have to be doing this. There's a lot of things you could be doing and there's a lot of other places you could be going. And there are probably some coastal waters you could even be living on if you wanted to, you know, so that's just the reality of it, which makes me appreciate the effort that you guys and gals put in, uh, to doing work that you don't, I'm not saying everybody's financially independent. That's not the point, but the point is y'all are accomplished, educated, experienced people with some skins on the wall. You have options. You got alternatives. Most all of us do, but you guys certainly do. And you know, so for the few people, and I still insist that it's fewer. I, my sense is the majority of people are just quiet vast majority. They're just quiet. Part of what we hope to do is be kind of the loud mouse on the other end. You know, everything's not perfect. You and I talked before we hit the record button. I live in a community in the DFW area that I love. The city council is as messed up as any city council you would ever hope to find. It's been that way forever, but I still love it. The schools are good. The roads are reasonably nice. The trash gets picked up. Life's good. Life's good. I mean, I could throw rocks at all kinds of stuff, but it's good. It's home, right? So there's that. Yes, no doubt. Well, I think it'd be unreasonable to think that it is going to be perfect. And so, you know, if you're not unreasonable, there's going to be, you're going to know that there's going to be challenges and it's going to be, there's going to be challenges anywhere you go, whether it's to DFW or whether it's to Minneapolis. Uh, but the good thing about here is we're going to have those same challenges, maybe on a smaller scale, but we're going to have the same challenges and look at the environment we get to address these challenges in. Well, I want to get something off my chest here, Randy. Uh, yeah, and then we got to do thing. the lightning round because we up do up. have the lightning round. But I have to mention, uh, I'll I'll make it very clear and very concise. You know what we heard with each one of these guys, with Jason, with John, and with you, Charlie. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. You know how many public officials don't know how to say those words? Well, we could kind. Of, it's kind of relative, and we it's conditional, and it depends. No, just do the right thing. It's simple. It is. It's it's simple. It's do the right thing. thing. And and like you and and Randy said, uh, you know, this is this is not something that we have to do. Uh, no. I, I say often, I could get my coffee cup and go home today, right now, um, and not not affect me at all. Uh, but we're here because we do want to do the right thing, and we, we we stand by the community, and we want to make the community better. If we get you an HSV inside out coffee cup, would you stay longer? <laughs> well, I would certainly consider it more. <laughs> yeah. No guarantees on that. <laughs> no guarantees. No guarantee. All right. Let's do the lightning round, Dennis. <clears throat> these are, these are quick and painless, Charlie. 
Hiking, boating, golf, or tennis? Hiking. Hamburger or taco? Taco. Beaches or woods? Mm. Woods at the beach. Yeah, there you go. Northern Cal. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Somewhere in the middle. If you had a warning label, what would it say? Uh, that's tough. That's tough. Um, we can come back around. Yes, come back around to that. Pass. What's Pass. the most interesting thing you you can see out your windows? Home or work? Horse. Sneakers, sandals, or hiking shoes? Oh, hiking shoes. Do you have a nickname? Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I'm sure you get a lot of grief about your name, but we're not going to go there. First job. First job. Sweeping floors at a uh, oil field company. And you were how old? Twelve. Twelve. Child. Your parents didn't know what law, child labor laws were or what? I was working for my parents, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Loophole. Loophole. Exactly. First pet. Uh, Australian Shepherd. I'm sorry. Australian Shepherd. Oh, there you go. Name? Uh, Playboy. Favorite movie? Uh, Top Gun. If you were a superhero, what power would you have? Fine. What would you sing at karaoke night? Hmm. Amarillo by morning. Oh, okay. Amarillo by morning. Favorite. We need a duet. We could do that, right? Charlie. Favorite favorite musician or band? Well, that changes a lot. That's all right. Yeah. Um, is it right now? Is it right now? I think I would say uh, Kenny Chesson. Okay. Are you a country fan? I am. Also, okay. First concert. Kiss. Oh, look at him. Can he just be and kiss? Okay. We start under, out talk, we start, under we, breath, but that was kiss. Yeah, we start out hinting about ACDC and we end on kiss. Yes. All right. I'm going to let you say goodnight, Dennis. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you had a warning label, if you don't mind, you can pass. Be careful what you say. Ooh, that is good. I like that. I like that. Well, Charlie, thanks for being on with us today. For Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. He's Randy Cantrell, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.